never again. A phrase used through the years, most recently by Kelly Clarkson in her hit song, Never Again. She sings this, I hope the ring you gave to her turns her finger green. I would never wish bad things, but I don't wish you well. Never again will I hear you, miss you, kiss you, love you. They may believe you, but I never will. Never again. I think there's some guy out there she doesn't like. (laughs) In August of 1963, Martin Luther King delivered from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial his famous I Have a Dream speech, which was originally to be called Normalcy Never Again. Another very loud and perhaps the most famous never again was the cry of the Jewish people after the days of the Holocaust and the establishment of the modern state of Israel. They had their home back and never again would they let the unthinkable happen to them. And one way they would do that was to never forget. Never forget the atrocities committed against them. Rather, they would remember and tell the stories. And they would never forget the gracious dealings of God in delivering His people one more time and making them once more into a nation. Today we're going to look at a passage that provides great help for us as we walk through the struggles of life. A friend once wrote and said, Odd how life not only passes but does so with untold disruptions. Life is hard, and it's a struggle. Now, 35 years ago, you couldn't have convinced me of that. I would have said, well, it's really not a struggle. You just have to respond right. The problem was, is that I had not struggled. And I had only too lightly observed the pain of other people. I had not admitted that I had deep hurts from the earlier years of life. And it was so easy to deny the struggles and hope they would disappear. If you just don't admit it, maybe it's not real. Well, we all know that that does not work. Yet there's something else that doesn't work either. And that is admitting our struggles and then wallowing in them. Becoming overwhelmed and absolutely consumed by them. We stare at the pains of the past, and we're paralyzed by the fears of the future. And you know what happens? We miss living today. David, in Psalm 103, gives us the key that allows us to lock the door on past pain and to see the blessings even that there are in the past. And also that key helps us to open the door of the future and to see the hope that we have in Christ. What that does is allow us to live today with deep joy and peace, even in the midst of very real struggles. Now, some of the Psalms are written to God. Other Psalms are written to other people, some to the righteous, some to sinners, some to Israel, some to the nations. But in Psalm 103, the psalmist initially is speaking to himself. 
As we go to Psalm 103, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me and let me pray for us. Our Father, we come now to hear your word. We ask that you would make it alive so that it indeed speaks to us. May it pursue us and lay hold of us. Fill us now with the wonder of your love and care for us by your Spirit and for the glory of Christ. Amen. Psalm 103, hear the word of God. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, So great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him, and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly host, you His servants, who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. We're going to see this morning, as Jack mentioned, that there's a progression here. As the psalmist praises and it expands to others as he goes through this psalm. Let's see the first circle of praise as we see David addressing himself and calling himself to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. He is preaching to himself. Spurgeon says this, His own soul is the first audience a good man ought to think of preaching to. David calls himself to deep worship, and to praise. Well, what is this praise? And what is this worship? The word itself, praise, means to kneel, to bow down in honor to the King. Our souls, as we know, are going to boast in something. And so often it's some variation of ourselves. But David calls himself and us to boast in Yahweh the Lord, the only one who's truly worthy of our praise. When we bow down, we are declaring that there is no God like our God. Praise the Lord, O my soul. 
all my inmost being praise His holy name. David is exhorting his own sluggish soul to worship the Lord, to praise God's holy name. You know, we can become so familiar with church that worship itself can even become ho-hum, commonplace. And our enemy would love for us to come in here Sunday after Sunday and for us not to expect anything to happen. We're told to praise the Lord. And if we're coming here to praise Him, to bow down, to kneel to the King, we should indeed expect much to happen. And it should begin right here for each one of us. If this can happen to King David, where he has to even exhort himself, we too need to learn to exhort ourselves. Jim Wilson in his book on worship says this, Unfortunately, in many churches, we should replace the phrase call to worship in our bulletins with the phrase call to evaluation. Instead of using the time to encounter a holy God, we often spend our energies evaluating everything from the flower arrangement lighting, musical selections, and sermon. I have a feeling that if we would stop watching and start throwing ourselves into the deepest places of existence, we wouldn't care so much about our preferences. And then the pollster, George Barnum, says this, Eight out of every ten believers do not feel they have entered into the presence of God or experienced a connection with Him during the worship service. And I just wonder if part of that for us, when we find ourselves in that camp, might be that we haven't called ourselves to worship. David's talking to himself, and he's using a very common Hebrew expression here. Oh, my soul. And he's addressing his whole being. John Stott writes that David is determined that his worship of God shall be as total as are God's blessings to him. All my inmost being in response to all his benefits. Think about that. David calls his own self, calls himself. He wants his worship of God to be as deep as God's blessings to him. Can we say the same? Ten years ago, I was lying in bed following heart surgery. And Rita asked me a question that comes back to me from time to time. And it still touches something very deep inside of me. I'd had surgery. I'd had some complications. Um, Some of you know that I struggled with just being discouraged with it all. And I knew in my head that God had been so gracious with me. And Rita, seeing and knowing my struggles, um, she wanted me to be able to worship and praise the Lord with all my inmost being, to experience something of the deep communion with God that she had the year before when she had cancer. And one day she asked me, Joe, do you love God as much as you love me. Oh my goodness. You know, what do I say to that? 
I didn't know how to begin to answer it. In fact, I, I never did answer it. Now, I hid behind some questions and statements of my own, like, well, um, what do you mean? Um, and, and why would you ask that? And, you know, I don't even understand what you mean. And um, I struggled and still do with the question because I want to love God more than all else. But Rita is so real. Rita wanted me to be able to praise the Lord with all my inmost soul. We can become so accustomed to walking into church and sitting here that sometimes we miss the wonder of His glory. Unless we're somehow calling ourselves and allowing ourselves to be called and preparing ourselves to praise the Lord. Um, What would happen if every week that we came through these doors, we with David said, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise His holy name. If we called ourselves, if we were preaching to ourselves, even before the preaching here began. You know, I love our worship because it's unpredictable. You know, sometimes we'll have catechism and creeds, and sometimes um, you allow us to even have the sermon up front rather than later on in the service. And there's a reason for that. But the worship team plans for us to come in and worship as they desire to lead us in that. David writes again, Praise the Lord, O my soul. And then he adds a new aspect of that worship. And forget not all his benefits. Now part of our worship of the Lord is remembering, not forgetting all of God's blessings and benefits in our lives. Never forget did not originate with the Jewish people of the mid-20th century. The people of God were called not to forget from the days of Moses. In fact, in Deuteronomy 6, Moses tells the people, Then watch yourself, lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. We get so distracted and we forget sometimes God's blessings. Do you forget? Three weeks ago, um, I underwent a medical procedure that everyone is supposed to have around the age of 50. Now, I was long overdue, and I just couldn't put it off any longer. Um, I got prepared the day before, and so if you didn't know what it was, you do now. Um, I went into the hospital. They asked me for my allergies, um, and I said, I only have two. One is iodine, and one is pain. (laughs) Well, the doctor gave me this little shot, and as he was giving me the shot, he said, one of us is going to go to sleep. And it's not me. I think he said that as I was going off. Um, Well, and this is the honest truth. About seven hours later, I woke up sitting on my sofa at home. All dressed, looking good, just like I had when I went to the hospital. And I really had a bunch of questions. Um, And I asked Rita, I said, "Um, what did the doctor say? And then well, how in the world did I get here? You know, did I walk? uh, What did the doctor have to say? And Rita, who dressed me? And what did the doctor have to say? 
And then finally, about 8 o'clock that night, it's 11 hours after this procedure, I said, Rita, did you see some friends that I had seen in the hospital down the hall? And she started dying laughing. And she said, you've asked me that question at least 10 times. I didn't just forget. I had amnesia. And my problem is that life sometimes functions as an amnesiac on me. I forget stuff. I forget things I really want to remember. I forget about God's benefits and His blessings and His faithfulness. And some of them might have just happened. And I forget. Oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Forget not all His benefits. David rouses himself to remember God's benefits, to do so with all that he is, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look at the alls in this psalm. All my inmost being, all his benefits, which include forgiveness for all your sins and the healing of all your diseases. And then at the end of the psalm, we see that David calls on all God's heavenly hosts and all his works to join in praise. Our worship really should look a lot more like that party that Jeff described last week as the father threw a party for the return of the young prodigal. Jonathan Edwards says, there is no true worship that does not touch the affections. Our worship should touch every part of us. What are all his benefits that we're called not to forget? The greatest benefit that David received is the one that he first mentions. Verse 3, he forgives all your sins. As we consider God's benefits to us, the pinnacle. The greatest of all is the forgiveness of our sins in Christ. And he heals all your diseases. Some of you know of my health problems 10 years ago. Um, You know how um, a yearly physical led to a stress test which led to the nuclear stress test, which led to a heart cath. I reacted to the iodine dye, um, which led to being hospitalized. Another heart cath, angioplasty, another heart cath, a blood clot, being hospitalized again, bed rest, chest pains, another hospitalization, another nuclear stress test, another heart cath, and eventually surgery. Um... It was a difficult time, and, and I, I got discouraged. And yet, even in that time, God was faithful to show us His love. And mainly, He did that through His people, through many of you. In the hospital, there with the family um, gathered, the elders of the church came and, in accord with James 5. They anointed me with oil and prayed for me. And a number of weeks later, I was um, on bed rest, and the family came home from church one Sunday. And one of the twins came in and said, Daddy, you haven't been to church in a long time. You need to get your head oiled again. God was compassionate and gracious. There were benefits to both body and soul in David, and there is to us also. He says, and he redeems your life from the pit. That is from death itself. And what's happening here is David's telling his own story. 
And then he begins to tell the story of Israel. And we need to tell our stories to one another and see and be reminded of God's faithfulness. We see that the psalm writer not only is saved from sin and disease and death, God lavishes on him many other blessings also. In verse 4 he says, He crowns you with love and compassion. And the language here is that of royalty. David is crowned with love and treated as a child of the king. Verse 5, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And the eagle is always used, it seems, as a symbol of youth and strength. David calls himself to praise the Lord for all the benefits that he's received at his hand. And the psalmist expands the circle of praise as he recalls the wider blessing to Israel, recounting the mercy of the Lord to all the people of his covenant. Beginning in verse 8, David changes from the singular to the plural, from the personal blessings to the benefits of God's gracious dealings and blessings to all his people. David does this by calling to the reader's minds um, all the way back to the well-known story of Moses and his leading of the people from oppression to the promised land. And in writing of this, David tells of God's love and compassion, and he tells us what God is like. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. David describes God's love. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. David tells us what God has done with our sin. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As high as the heavens and as far as east is from the west. One way the psalmist describes the immeasurable love of God is to speak of it in immeasurable distances. These are the greatest and the largest measurements that the imagination could conceive of. As high as the heavens, as far as the east is from the west. But you sense that even they are too small in expressing what David wants to express here. And that is the impossibility of our forgiven sin coming back on us or being held against us. Roy Clements points out, he says, However many miles you think lie between west and east, you cannot look two ways at once. You have to turn your back on one in order to look in the direction of the other. When God forgives us, He puts our sin and us on two different horizons. So when He looks at our sin, He is no longer looking at us. And when He looks at us... He is no longer looking at our sin. That's good. And that's rich. As His adopted and beloved children, God does not keep record of our sin. He has cast it away. What about you? Do you bring your sin or that of others back up? How often do we beat ourselves or others up for sin that has been confessed and paid for by Christ, forgiven and cast as far as the east is from the west. 
how fearful we are sometimes that God is going to bring it out again and hold it over us. And so we try to make ourselves more fit, more deserving. We try to be better. We try to deserve His love, which is folly. Christ has already loved us while we were yet sinners. Another way to describe such love is to do so in terms of the family. And God is so tenderly regarding us as a father regards his child. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That's the father's love. The pursuing, running after father's love that Jeff described last week in the passage of the prodigal or the parable of the two sons, really. David tells us in verse 10, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 14 tells us why. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God is compassionate and gracious and abounding in love. He has not treated us as our sin deserves, but he has treated Christ as our sins deserve deserve. He poured on him the iniquity of us all. Our slates are clean. Our hearts are white as snow. And I invite you to rest and delight in that. As we consider God's gracious dealings with us as his people, we would do well not to forget and to even tell the story to our children. Verse 17, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him, and His righteousness with their children's children. And then David expands the circle of praise even farther. David calls all of creation to praise the Lord. Verse 20, Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, All His heavenly host, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. As the compassion and grace of God are made known, and His stories are proclaimed to others, all His works everywhere in His dominion are called to praise the Lord. In conclusion, the Jewish people said never again, because they would never forget. As a child of God, I am to live my life knowing that never again will a sacrifice be needed. Never again will Christ be killed. He died once for all. Never again will our sins be held against those of us in Christ. Moses told the people, Then watch yourself, lest you forget the Lord. As a child of God, we must never forget all His benefits and His gracious dealings with us as His redeemed people, calling us out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. It begins with you and with me. David ends where he began. Praise the Lord Oh, my soul. I invite you to delight in that, to consider it and smile and laugh and be grateful, bowing before and worshiping our great God 
is not just a recognition of his character and his deeds among us. It is our response to the God of God, all gods, and the King of all kings. In our praise, in our prayer, in our our giving of ourselves, we are to praise him. And I exhort you and encourage you this morning to talk to yourselves, to preach to yourselves, to call yourselves to worship. And each week as you come in here, to call yourself to worship, that we might experience that which David leads us in. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Let us pray together. Our Father, we come desiring to praise you with all that we are for all of your benefits that you have given to us. May we be a grateful people and never forget your dealings with us, for you have been gracious and compassionate. You have cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. May you be honored among us now as we praise, as we bow down before you. All for the honor of Christ we pray. Amen.